Thank you so much for being here. My name is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor at Southside Baptist Church, and uh, it is great to be back with you today. As you came in this morning on your worship guide, you had a goodie paper clip there that looks like this. Um, this uh, normally, you get this at a store, and it's a discount card. This does not give you a discount on your offering. <laughs> but it is, it is a useful tool that we want to give you. We've been engaged the last several weeks in a conversation about 30 words. For those of you who are Christians, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where you have tried to explain what you believe to somebody, and maybe words have failed you, or you just didn't have the words to fully express what you believed, and what you believe about Jesus, and what you believe about the church, and how all that works together. We've been in a series for the last several weeks called 30 Words, in which we are looking at a 30-word statement that helps us to understand the message of the gospel, so that we can learn it ourselves, so that we can live it out every day, Uh, But most important, so that we can give it away, so that we can give it to somebody. Now, this is a tool to help you remember the 30 words. Uh, There is part of that, if you you bend that, that can go on your key ring. It's just got the four icons there uh, that will help you remember the 30 words. And then the other card has got the full 30 words on it. And on the back, it's got the church name and mission statement. You can put that in your wallet, put it on your keychain, and as it helps you just to remember the, uh, the basic 30-word message, but more important than those 30 words, uh, the gospel itself and the opportunity to share it when God opens that door for you. And if you're joining us online and you want one of those, you can fill out the communication card uh, online and uh, we'll make sure you get it or you can stop by the office and pick it up through the week or, or come on campus on any Sunday. We'll, be make, we'll make sure you get one of those as well. If you didn't get enough or you need more, let us know. We'll be glad to get those, uh, get those to you as well. Now, I want us to, for those of us who've been on this journey for the last several weeks, weeks. Uh, See how well we remember the 30 words. If you're a first-time guest with us, it's okay. You are excused. But for everybody else, let's see if we can remember the 30 words that we've been working on. Uh, So it's a lot of blanks up there now, all right? I'll give you a hint. The first word is Jesus. That helps, right? Jesus, church, you know it's going to be easier, right? So let's just see if we can put it together and say it out loud. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love Save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. Now, I was about to be really impressed until I remembered we gave you the card. Like, I was, that first phrase, I'm thinking, man, we are on fire. I am doing my job. And then I thought, no, they've got that card in their hand. (laughs) We want you to memorize these 30 words. Again, this is just a tool we're trying to give you to help you better understand the gospel, help you better live it out, and help you be better equipped to share it. Now, this 30-word statement really breaks down into three sections. The first section is the ground of the gospel. We covered that several weeks ago. If you've missed these messages, you can go online to our digital campus, listen to the podcast, or watch the live stream. But the ground of the gospel is just this. Jesus is God with us. God with skin on came to live among us. Jesus is God with us. That's the ground of the gospel. And it comes with four gifts, four things that Jesus specifically came to do. And we talked about it the second week, that Jesus came to show us God's love, that God is love, and we know that and we see that in Jesus Christ. Lots of people who call themselves spiritual, lots of people who call themselves religious, follow other world religions, would say, God is love. The problem every other worldview, every other religion has is how do they know? 
See, Christianity offers us proof that God is love by giving us the demonstration of Jesus Christ, who, while we were still at our worst, died for us to show us God's love. Jesus came to show us God's love. And then last week, we looked how Jesus came to save us from sin, that that sin which had separated us from God, but come on, you know sin separates us from each other too, right? I mean, enough of you have lived enough life that you know how sin separates. It destroys marriages. It destroys relationships between parents and children, between friends, between coworkers. Sin has been an infection uh, that has plagued all of us. We've all been impacted by sin. Jesus came to save us from sin by dying on the cross, that through his death, he paid the penalty for sin, and he came to save us. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Well, today, I want to talk about the third gift of the gospel, and that is that Jesus came to set up God's kingdom. Now, how many of you heard growing up that uh, the two things that you're not supposed to talk about in polite society are religion and politics? How many of you heard that? Yeah. And so, you know, in my job, I talk about those all the time. Um, They're very, very connected, the idea of religion and politics. And here's why. Because there is at the root of the human problem the need for a solution. We are constantly looking for something to fix the sin problem that we have in the world. And so what we've done is we've tried to fashion all sorts of political solutions or economic solutions that that we think may address the problem. And there are some that have made the world better. I would say, along with Winston Churchill, that democracy is the worst form of governance except for all the others, right? I mean, we're seeing that. You're seeing that on your TV every day, right? You're thinking, how can it get any worse with the campaign ads? And yet we recognize that democracy has offered us so many, so much freedom in America and so many good things, but has it solved all of our problems? Would any of us believe that as great as our country is, as great as democracy is, that somehow we're going to elect the right person and that's going to end the, the, the core problem in, the human, in, in, in humanity? I don't think any of us believe that anymore. I mean, and it's not just because we're jaded or, or calloused. It's because if you live long enough and you recognize and you are observant enough, you see how there is no human solution to what is wrong with us. There's no human solution to what's wrong with me. And so we keep trying to devise political solutions or economic solutions, but the truth is, as good as any of our man-made solutions may be, they all fall short. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is God with us, and he has come to set up God's kingdom. And here's the truth that is so important. If you don't hear anything else I say today, if you only remember one thing, I want it to be this. And this is a provocative statement, and it may spark in you some arguments or some questions. And we'd love to hear back from you. We do a midweek service on Wednesdays at 6.30 where all we do is answer questions you've got. You can send it in. But here's the statement. Jesus did not come so that you can go to heaven when you die. Jesus came for something so much bigger than that. Jesus came to set up God's kingdom. And he is doing that and has been doing that from the time of his arrival in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. And he continues to establish his kingdom on earth. This is why when Jesus prayed, and you've all prayed this prayer, even if you don't go to church much, you've heard this prayer, the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray, "Your say it with me, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth. 
as it is in heaven. Now listen, if we believe Jesus just came so that we could go to heaven when we die, we can stop praying that prayer. There's no reason to pray that prayer. And so what I want us to talk about today is what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? What is it that Jesus came to set up? And it was interesting to me as I began to uh, read and study for this message, uh, I, I was kind of shocked, and I, our whole creative team was kind of shocked as we looked around, how few resources there were about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Those two are used interchangeably. Because Jesus talked about it a lot, and yet it seems that we in the church haven't picked up or clued in to what he was saying because we don't talk about it very much at all compared to how much he talked about it. So when, when you see in the scripture, kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, it's Jesus talking about the same idea or the same, same concept. What is this kingdom of God and what does it mean for us today? So if you are a note taker, you can follow along with us. And let's try to take this apart. Uh, Eddie read for us earlier from Matthew chapter 13 a lot of analogies about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like. And the reason why he used analogies like that is because I believe there are no earthly words that can adequately describe the kingdom of heaven. We're just doing the best we can with the limitations of human language. That's the best we're doing. So I do not think I can communicate the truth of the kingdom of God to you better than anybody else. But we're going to give it a try today to understand what it means that Jesus came to set up the kingdom and how we are a part of it. First of all, let's just talk about the word kingdom because it's not a word that we use a lot in our culture today. Uh, kingdom has two parts to it. King, which means one who rules, a ruler, a king. And then dumb, which comes from the same word where we get domain. So a kingdom is a domain in which a king is ruling. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, we are talking about a domain in which God is ruling. A kingdom, a place, a realm that God is fully and totally in charge. And so let's take a look at this and see how that earthly understanding of kingdom isn't always exactly what we're talking about with the kingdom of heaven. But let's take a look and see if we can try to understand it better. First of all, the kingdom of God is already, but not yet. That's the first thing we see when we read what Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God, that it is already, but it is not yet. Now let me, let me talk about two mistakes that we make when we start talking about the kingdom. First of all, there are those who have traditionally made the mistake of talking about the kingdom as being something that is completely here and now. And so this is where you, in world history, you studied the Crusades. You remember that? The religious wars that have gone on in Europe and continue to tear parts of our world apart. Where there are people who think that somehow through politics or through military conquest, they are going to bring about God's kingdom through the sword. This completely contradicts everything Jesus ever taught. And so if you have friends who aren't Christians and who say one of the reasons that we're not Christians is because just look at the Crusades. You know what you can say? You can say you're absolutely right. That is not at all what Jesus came to do. But that's no reason for you to miss the gift that Jesus did come to give you. Because just because people misunderstood and misapplied Jesus' teachings does not mean that Jesus was wrong or that Jesus didn't come to do what we understand the Bible tells us he came to do. 
So there are those who made this mistake. They still make them today, and they fight wars in the name of God, as if somehow their military victory, their political conquest, is going to accomplish the kingdom of God. Now listen, we don't do that in America, but here's what we do. We will take the gospel and assume that it is the platform for a particular political party. And somehow we will confuse the message of the gospel with our version of Western politics in America. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. There are things that Republicans hold dear and teach that are absolutely in alignment with the gospel. But there are also things the Democrats teach and hold to that are absolutely in line with the gospel. You see, the gospel cannot be defined by one political party or the other. In fact, both parties would have parts that I would say are similar to the gospel, and both parties would have elements that I would say are completely contrary to the gospel. And we as a church cannot fall into the trap of thinking that somehow if we elect this right candidate or give this right political party power that they will bring about the kingdom of God. It will not happen. That our citizenship is first and foremost is in the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to understand kingdom values before we give ourselves to political values or political ideologies. So the first mistake is that we believe somehow we can establish the kingdom of God here and now fully. The second mistake that people make, and this one maybe we make more often today, is that, that we think the kingdom of God is all about then and there. In other words, the kingdom of God is just about something that happens when we die or something that happens in some day in the future when Jesus comes back and the trumpet sounds. That, that that's when the kingdom of God will take place. And so here's what some people do who believe that. They, they have sort of an eva- what I call an evacuation theology. They, they have this theology that just says, you know, I'm just going to do my best to go along, to get along until some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Right? Beam me up, Jesus. Just get me out of here. Like, and, and, and you know, and here's what we say. Literally, we say to hell with this place. That's what we say. Because we just live as if nothing here and now matters. All our hope is in Jesus. Everything we want is in the sweet by and by. Some glad morning. Listen, 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 listen. I am excited about heaven. I am excited about Jesus coming back. Listen, if he came back right now, I'd be thrilled. And some of you would be too. I, 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 I have a great hope in heaven. But if all my hope is just in that future reality, then I am missing what God has called me to do here and now. Does that make sense? You've met people like this. You've met Christians like this. And they are, they are godly people. They say God, they talk, you know, they sound just like the King James Version just comes out of their mouth and everything they say. They're so heavenly minded, they're what? No earthly good. Remember that old statement? Church, we can't be that way. Jesus came to establish God's kingdom. He has already begun to establish it. And it is already working in the lives of men and women, boys and girls around the world. We are a part of that. It is already. But it is not here yet. We are still hoping and longing for the fulfillment of the kingdom. The kingdom is already, but it is, it is not yet. There were two examples that Eddie read for us earlier from Matthew 13. Uh, the, the example of the mustard seed and the example of the yeast. I, I think these are both great examples. 
One, this idea of a seed, a seed that's been planted, and it's the tiniest seed, but when it grows, it becomes this invasive plant that takes over. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Or it's like yeast that's worked into dough. Uh, Yeast doesn't look like much, but you put it in dough and you let it, and what does it do? It rises and it expands. And the kingdom of God is like that. It is already here, but it is not yet fully what it will be. Jesus prayed this prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I believe. From the time God took on flesh and came to dwell among us, and as Jesus began to teach and work out his ministry, he began to work the yeast into the dough. He began to plant the seeds all over. And the kingdom of God has been growing and advancing ever since then. Today it is a global movement. There are churches meeting all over the world, in cathedrals, in Europe, and under bushes in Africa. There are churches meeting in dark rooms in China and in warehouses in storefronts in the United States. The kingdom of heaven is among us and it is growing. It is already, but it is not yet. And here's what we need to understand. This is so, this is so important. We live in the in-between. That's where we are. C.S. Lewis called it the shadow lands. We live in between. The reality of the kingdom isn't fully here yet, but it's coming. And what that means is if you are holding on to your faith right now with everything you've got because the storms of life are raging and blowing against you and your marriage is falling apart and your, your money situation is terrible and you don't know if you're going to have a job tomorrow and you don't know if your kids are going to work out. You don't know any of these things and you are holding on. Here's the promise of the kingdom that God is establishing his kingdom and he will ultimately have his way. Hold on. Hold on. It's already, but it's not yet. Don't give up. If you're fighting that addiction and every day is another battle, don't give up. The kingdom of God is already, but it's not yet. And so we strive and we press on. And as we live and live in these shadow lands, as we live in this in-between, we are working out in ourselves and our families and through our church and in the world. We are building the kingdom. We are joining God in what he is doing and establishing his kingdom. That's why your involvement in church is so important. That's why your involvement with other people who believe is so critical. Because we need each other to establish the kingdom. We live in the in-between times and we need to hold on to each other and to the hope of the gospel while we do. The second thing that it's important to understand about the gospel is that it's universal but not unlimited. It's universal but not unlimited. Let me me give you some examples uh, that we read earlier. Uh, In Mark chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus uses the analogy several times of agriculture or farming. And he talks about this idea that the farmer was sowing seed everywhere. It was falling on all kinds. It was falling on the path. It was falling on the good soil, the rocky soil. It was falling among weeds. It was just the, the farmer was, was liberally sharing and liberally sowing seed all over the place. That this idea that the offer of the gospel was universal, but it wasn't going to take root everywhere. It was not unlimited There were some people who who were going to receive the gospel with joy and they were going to immediately accept it, but then the the, the cares of life or the pursuit of money and wealth was going to choke it out. Other people, they weren't going to understand it, they weren't going to care about it, and it was just going to be like a seed falling on on rocky soil and it didn't ever take root. The, The offer of the kingdom is a universal offer, 
But it is not unlimited. It is limited by those who would receive the kingdom and accept the invitation that God offers us. Listen to what it says, Matthew 13, verse 23. Matthew 13, 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So so there are people who hear the good news of the kingdom and it takes root in our heart and it begins to grow. I can go around this room and and for many of you, because I know the stories, I know your stories, I know your testimony, we, we could talk about how you were before Jesus and the difference that the gospel has made in your life and how you are now. I hope that a lot of us, I hope that most of us, maybe even all of us have that story. That the kingdom is something that has affected us as we've received it. But there are other people we know who have heard it and will not receive it. They, they will not accept it. Jesus uses the example of the wheat and the weeds that grow up together for a season in, in Matthew 13, 30, uh, 24 through 30. This idea that we live in a world where it's not just people of the kingdom over here on one side and people who are not in the kingdom over here. But in fact, we all live together in this world. We all live together. And that, that, that sometimes those things aren't sorted out right away. That, that there are people in your life who you love and you care for who are not part of the kingdom, who are maybe even resistant or antagonistic against the kingdom. And, and the message is that we, we grow up together in this in-between time. We have an opportunity to share the good news with them. It is a universal invitation to be a part of the kingdom, but it is not unlimited. It is limited to those who would accept and receive the invitation. And this is why it's so important for us as a church that we understand the gospel but we also know how to share it. We also know how to give it to those who are questioning and seeking. And so we, we see the image again in the fisherman's net, that the kingdom of God is like a fisherman's net that's cast and it draws up a bunch of fish and, and at the end they're sorted out at the end. All these images show us this idea of the universal nature of the kingdom, but they also remind us that the kingdom is not unlimited. John 3.16, many of you know it. It tells us this, for God so loved the what? world that's universal God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and here comes the not unlimited part that what that what whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life you see it's a universal offer but it's limited by those who would believe and receive the gift that God has for them in Jesus Christ now some people would say well Christianity is an exclusive religion that you have to believe in Jesus in order to, 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 be, to go to heaven when you die. And I would say that Christianity is the most inclusive of all religions. Because it's not limited to one ethnic group or one geographic location or one socioeconomic group of people. That the message of the gospel is for everyone around the world. It's why we think international missions is so important. It's, it's an offer that is for everybody. But it is not unlimited. In that God, in his love, gave you free will. And free will is both a blessing and a curse. If you're a parent, you know this. And and so what we have is we have a loving God who who has come to show us his love by demonstrating it through the death on the cross. Who's come to save us from sin. Who is setting up the kingdom and who is lovingly extending an invitation to say, will you come and be a part of this? It, 
Is it exclusive if I am, if I am trapped If I am trapped in the middle of a flood and a lifeboat comes by to collect me, am I going to argue and say, no, you're too exclusive? You're saying you're the only way for me to get saved from this flood I'm in. Is that that a logical argument? In what other scenario do we argue like that except when it comes to religion? Christianity is ultimately inclusive. It It is universal, but it is not unlimited. We must accept. And for some of you here today, listen, for some of you here today, You've heard this message repeatedly. You maybe even have heard it in this church repeatedly. But you yourself, somewhere in the privacy of your own heart, you know that you have never accepted the invitation of Jesus to be saved, to be rescued, to receive God's love, to be saved from your sins, and to become a part of the kingdom that he is establishing. Maybe today would be the day for you. On your communication card, you can mark it on the back. We'll follow up with you in a private conversation. We're not going to embarrass you, but we want you to leave here with the confidence of knowing that God's invitation is for you, and all you have to do is receive it. Third and finally, the kingdom is free but not cheap. It is free but not cheap. I love these verses. Verse 45, uh, 44 and 45, Jesus gives two examples one is a treasure that was found in a field. A guy, it just looks like a guy was going along. It would have been like, remember the, what was it, the $1.6 billion lottery ticket? Remember that a couple weeks ago? I know none of you played the lottery. Somebody asked me, they said, well, pastor, is it okay if I play the, the lottery? I said, as long as you tithe, it's okay. As long as you tithe. The devil's had that money long enough. But it would be, it would be like if you, it would be like if you, if you were going by a vacant lot with a for sale sign on it and, uh, and, and, and encased on that lot was the winning lottery ticket and nobody knew it was there. You would go sell everything you had to go back and buy that piece of property so you could get that lottery ticket. Or it's, Jesus uses the other example, it's like a, a, a pearl. It's, it's this pearl of great price and a man was, it was so valuable that he was willing to sell everything in order to acquire it. It was free, it's something that you find, but it is so valuable that you would get rid of everything in order to be able to have it or to be a part of it. The, the good news about the kingdom is that your invitation to be a part of the kingdom is free, but it is not cheap. Because ultimately, it cost Jesus his life for you to have that invitation. That Jesus laid down his life for you so that he could extend to you a free invitation to be a part of the kingdom. This is why it says Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It's a work of God so that no one can boast. Jesus has paid the price. He's done everything. All you have to do is receive it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 Paul says, do you not know that you are not your own? You were bought with a price. That God paid the ultimate price for you to enjoy freedom. It was free, but it was not cheap. Citizenship in the kingdom, listen. Citizenship in the kingdom will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. But ultimately, everything it costs you is only an investment in everything that it promises you. I remember several years ago, for those of you who, who have been journeying with us at Southside for a while, you know uh, about our work with the Karen people, uh, people from Burma. Um, 
they began to come here to Southside in, 2000, in the Jacksonville area in 2006 and became involved at Southside and now uh, they're a part of our church network and they meet over in the Arlington area. They can have worship in their language and Bible study in their language. Um, I'll, I'll never forget one of the most powerful sermons I ever heard was Pastor Thulemu uh, preached here one time and he talked about how the Korean people uh, were not wanted by their home country of Burma. They had basically been persecuted and driven out and they were driven into a country that also didn't want them uh, and so they, they, they were kept in refugee camps. So one country disowned them, another country wouldn't receive them, and really they're citizens nowhere. Many of them have been born in these camps, and they're, they're non-citizens. And so uh, through the uh, United States State Department and the Resettlement Agency, many of them began to come into the U.S., and that's how we became familiar with them. But Thule was telling a story about how when he was on the plane, imagine this, you've lived your whole life in a refugee camp, and now you're on a plane traveling across the world. He's on a plane, and, um, and he had, there was a woman who recognized that he was from a different country and said, hey, where are you from? And Thule said, in that moment, I realized I wasn't from anywhere, but I was going somewhere. <laughs> I was not a citizen of any country, but I was going to a home that would be my own. Do you know that's our story? That's the kingdom story. That, that this world is not your home. You, you may be a citizen and, and rightly a proud citizen of the United States of America, but you know this is not your home. Your heart was designed for something more. And Jesus came to set up that kingdom and establish it. And you can be a part of something. You can be a part of a movement. Viktor Frankl was a Jew who lived through the Holocaust and wrote um, a, a very popular book meaningful book and he talked about in this book about how people have um, people in the camps he would watch some who would just sort of give up and they would fade away and die and other people who seemed to 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 live and survive and they they would make it in spite of awful circumstances and he began to observe what's the difference and he said those who found a purpose for themselves while living through the holocaust survived and those who had no purpose gave up and died. I wonder if you know your purpose in the kingdom. Or if you are just living day to day, hoping for heaven and missing the incredible opportunity that God has given you to join Him here and now in establishing His kingdom. If you are looking for purpose and meaning, Jesus has come to give it to you, He's come to invite you. Those of you who are without a home, come, be a citizen of the kingdom. Be a citizen of the kingdom. It's all ready, but it's not fully here yet. It's free, but it is not cheap. The invitation is universal, but not everyone will accept it. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? And as we pray, I just want to remind you about that communication card. We're not going to do an altar call this morning, but, but I, think, I think that it's important for you to know that you can respond. And for some of you, you need to respond, and you would never walk down an aisle, but you can take a pen and mark on a communication card that you want to speak with a pastor this week. Maybe you want to talk to somebody about how you, who have been on the outside, can become a citizen of the kingdom by accepting Jesus Christ. Maybe for some of you, 
you would say you're a citizen of the kingdom, but you're not living like it right now. I would just invite you to use this time to respond to however the Holy Spirit is leading you on that communication card. When the offering plate comes by a little bit later in the service, you can place it in there at that point and we'll follow up with you. Father, we thank you for the promise and the hope of the kingdom. Thank you that we get to be a part of it here and now. Thank you that you are working it out in our lives and in our family and in our church. And even at times when we don't see it, when it looks like the weeds are overtaking us, Father, that we can be assured that your kingdom is coming, your will will be accomplished, that our hope is in you. It is not in government, it is not in economics, it is not in the next job or the next romantic relationship, it is in Jesus Christ who came to set up your kingdom. Lord, may we give everything we have so that we might attain this most valuable treasure. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.